You're listening to Overwatch League Daily, your daily source for Overwatch League news, scores, and more. Here's your host, Kicked Tripod. Hey, good morning, Overwatch League fans. This is your Overwatch League Daily episode for June 15th. 2018. Today I'm joined by Overwatch caster and analyst Matt Pixie Carroll. We're going to discuss yesterday's matches, but first we do have some news and sorry for the video people. I basically got to read this one because there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of dates and I didn't memorize it all. So the Overwatch League front office uh, released some important dates for uh, between season one and season two, content, uh, including contenders rosters, changes, uh, important dates for uh, Overwatch League teams and a brand new type of player called a two-way player. So first, let's talk about these important dates. On August 1st, signing windows are open for existing Overwatch League teams to negotiate extensions with current players or sign players from their affiliated contenders team. On September 9th, inaugural season agreements officially end and any player not under contract becomes free agents. From September 9th to October 7th, Overwatch League expansion teams will have access to an exclusive signing window to sign free agents. And then on October 8th, the signing window is open for all teams. The Overwatch League also increased the roster minimum from six players to eight players, and contracts can now be negotiated for up to three years with some more flexibility on extensions and options. Um, what do we have next? Oh yeah, two-way players. This is important. Players that are a part of an Overwatch League team may negotiate to compete in contenders on an affiliated team. Any player on the roster may agree to be eligible for contenders play, but a maximum of four players may be designated as two-way players, that is, players that can kind of hop between contenders and uh, Overwatch League, there are some rules for these players. Two-way players count toward the Overwatch League roster limit of 12 and the Overwatch contenders limit of eight. Uh, Two-way players lose their contenders eligibility if they appear in more than two Overwatch League matches in a stage, and a maximum of two designated two-way players may compete in any single contenders match. No player may appear in both Overwatch contenders and Overwatch League matches in the same week. There are some other things there, but those are the big ones. That's a high level overview. I recommend to uh, go check out the notes. We've got them linked below, at least we should. And yeah, let's get to your two minute rundown brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash OWL daily show. The major match of consequence yesterday was between the Philadelphia Fusion and they were taking on the Houston Outlaws. Both teams are just on the cusp of the stage and season playoffs, and the team that wins this match has a huge advantage for the stage playoffs specifically. The Outlaws have never beaten Philly as of yet, but the team was pretty confident if you watched any of the broadcasts that they would take this one from the Fusion. And they did. In the end, the Outlaws finally get their revenge on the Fusion and currently sit in fourth place for the stage playoffs. For the second match of the evening, the Florida Mayhem continue their struggle as the Spitfire sweep Boston four maps to zero. And finally, NYXL took another uncharacteristic loss against the Boston Uprising as the team continues to prepare for the playoffs 
coming ahead as they've uh, basically clinched them both. Coming up tomorrow, we've got some very important matches, including the Houston Outlaws versus NYXL. Then the LA Gladiators going up against the Seoul Dynasty. The Dynasty desperately need a win if they want any chance of making it into the league playoffs. And finally, Dallas Fuel will be looking to take back their fourth place spot in the stage playoffs as they go up against the LA Valiant team who are going to be looking to complete that 10 and 0 stage. Games start at 4 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Overwatch League or overwatchleague.com. Let's get into my conversation with Pixie. Pixie, just I said the same thing to Volamel yesterday. It's been a while. <laughs> Hello. Good to see Hi. you again. <laughs> Hi. Good to see you too. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. Hi. Okay, good. Okay. Let's talk about some of these matches here. We're, we'll skip through all the, the humdrum and get right into uh, what went on yesterday because we had a big, important match yesterday, and that was uh, Houston versus Philadelphia. Yeah, it's uh, that was a game. <laughs> it was. It was an important one, at least. Uh, it didn't play like it at, at every point, but... Let's, I mean, let's, so let's talk here because every time these teams met, the, the, the desk hammered this, the fusion have come out on top, but this time, obviously Houston comes out on top. Something's different. Something's changed. I mean, what did you see that, that changed here? Um, I, I honestly think genuinely the biggest difference between this series and all the other ones where they've played is uh this one has mattered the most and i really think this is just a case of houston rose the occasion and it was just because of how the standings happened to fall prior to that as much as they were tied um in terms of like matches won and lost the map record actually had philly already in the top four houston were therefore at number five you can't break into that top four unless you win something that puts the onus on Houston to perform. As much as it's also an important match for Philadelphia, I actually think just that little thing kind of made a significant difference, at least psychologically. And I think that really helped Houston to show up here. Uh, I, I honestly genuinely think that is one of the most significant factors here. Naturally, that is combined with whatever prep they would have done as well. Um, and they they themselves kind of express that, that, that that's a notion, uh, you know, rising to the occasion that kind of suits them. So, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily agree, but then today's result does speak for itself. You sure it's not Torbjorn? Because it might be Torbjorn. <laughs> it could be Torbjorn. It could be Torbjorn. Yeah, but... And, say. and we see this, though. It's the same thing in sports, right? Where, you know, teams with something to play for, you know, for some reason or another, dig deep you know, and, and find a way to play that extra mile yeah. or that, that extra bit. There was maybe, maybe Philly helped him a little bit. And uh, <laughs> that's with their tank line. We saw a little bit different tank yeah. line. This one with Sato and Hotba. What did you think about this decision? Do you think that Philadelphia necessarily gave them their best look? I've tried to do my research. <laughs> I hope I didn't miss something in the pregame. I don't know why we didn't see the traditional uh, a tank line. Maybe it's out there somewhere. I apologize. Just be nice yeah. in your YouTube comments. But assuming so, it was a an intentional choice, not some sort of injury or whatever. I mean, uh, w what's going on here? I mean, hey, maybe maybe they are wanting to preserve those tanks for their match tomorrow or for play. Or like, who knows? Like, I'll be honest. 
Um, it's it's one of those sorts of things that on paper I can't fault through and through. Like I, I, I kind of disagree with the notion of you know criticizing a team because they put in. Um, I, I don't even like the term A team and B team necessarily. I don't think right. it's always quite so accurate. And I think this is one of those situations, right? They they were running something different. Um, and there was an intention behind that. And we have to respect that intention. The tricky thing is, and this is where I can fault it, right? Uh, like maybe they were just wanting to iron out kinks in an alternate lineup so that they have that ready to go for playoffs if they need to pull it out. You know, if they're in a situation, it's like, shit, we need to play set on hot, but we want to make sure they're up to snuff. You can't do that unless they've already had some actual experience recently. I don't know that this is the right match to do that in. That's the only issue I really have with it. But then again, maybe it is. Maybe the fact that they were in that fourth spot and Houston were in the fifth, maybe Philly are just kind of playing the odds. They're going, we don't think that Houston will win against NYXL. We think that we will beat London Spitfire and we think the map differential will get us through anyway. Maybe they, they did actually feel that this was, um, you know, uh, this is somewhere they could afford to lose because they were playing a slightly different lineup. I can only speak conjecturally about all this. The only people that really know are uh, the coaching staff and management of Philadelphia Fusion. And I'm sure they have a great reason. Maybe, maybe they were completely wrong to do what they did. Or maybe not. And this is something, too, where I think that um, as, you know, people who uh, speak and write and create content for Overwatch League or, you know, if just fans, it's really easy to look and go, well, that's an easy mistake. But flip the tables for a second. Yeah. Let's imagine that Philly won here. And then you can talk about all the reasons why that might have worked. You know, Houston Precisely. probably prepared Precisely. for this. Oh, what a brilliant coaching play. Yeah. They really well, get it over there. Yeah. It's the old Rio Jehong argument, right? Like when when Seoul, uh, you know, when they would not play Rio Jehong and then lose, they would be like, "Well, they would have won with Rio." It's like, first of all, you don't well know that. Second of all, they've lost with Rio Jehong before as well. I don't like equating a team's loss to the fact that they did play someone or didn't play someone in particular. I think that's kind of dishonest. Well, and it's it's really intangible. It's very easy to say. And next to impossible to back up, right? You're, you can't just yeah. be like, Jay Hong would have hit that shot. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how can you add all those factors in? So I definitely get where you're coming from there. It's it, it's complicated. At the same time, we can look and say, you know, what what made, what could have contributed to this loss and was that part of it and why might that be? And I think as long as there's that constructive element in there, I think it's fair. I think it's a fair game, yeah. but it's also, yeah. we know we've got the asterisk <laughs> that at the end of the day, like there's, there's so many moving factors, right? Yeah. That it, it, it it's just, it's next to impossible to say. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the outlaws versus NYXL uh, coming up tomorrow. It's a must win. They got to yeah. win it. Do yeah. you think this is a match that Houston can win? Given the fact that NYXL just lost to Boston, what, two this hours. This is kind ago. of tough. This is kind of a tough one to call, and it's just one of those things. At the very top of the day, before anything had happened, I would have said uh, no. Doesn't matter how they do against Philly, they're not going to win this one. But then they beat Philly, which 
went against the grain of that matchup. Match and then NYXL have just lost to Boston. And also, across these last two stages, NYXL have slowly become more and more fallible. That doesn't mean to say they aren't a great team. Like, they are the most consistently good team in the Overwatch League right now. Like, they, they are the standards to meet, right? But there are more and more teams beating them every uh, every couple of weeks. You know, some suddenly someone else beats NYXL for the first time. You know, it started off as like, it was like one team that had ever actually beaten them. I think it was London Spitfire at the end yeah. of stage one, the only people to beat them. And now it's up to like, what, five teams? You know, it's, it's practically half the league. Yeah, the, fusion, the Fusion beat them in stage yeah. one. They were, yeah, and exactly. then the Spitfire, oh, right. yeah. and the Spitfire again in stage two. Yeah, that's right. That's, 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 you're quite right there. But but that's the thing, right? Like, they, they are very much beatable. It is very much achievable. The only... Th Actually, there is something else I should mention before that, and that is Houston themselves did say that they feel... Um, they feel that because they're having these back-to-back -back matches, um, especially now that they did win against Philly, that they kind of have a bit of momentum on their side. And I do think that that accounts for something, uh, especially when this notion of rising to the occasion has already played out. It's already come to fruition today. I think that's, or rather, I guess by the time this goes up, it will be yesterday against Philly. I think that's something that could also come up against uh, the NYXL. That being said, they, they and all of us are, of course, going to be under no illusions that NYXL will be a tougher matchup. And I do wonder what proportion of their prep time this week went into prepping for NYXL. And... If it wasn't the majority, this may just be insurmountable. All other factors aside. And NYXL, they know that they can kind of stomp out some potential competition, right? They would rather go into a playoffs with Philadelphia Fusion being in there. You know, they'd rather shut out Houston Outlaws if they can and go up against another, if you will, inconsistent looking team in Fusion rather than a team that is suddenly at the 11th hour on the up and up. So I think NYXL will be taking this match very seriously. And I think that's going to be maybe the hardest thing to overcome. I want to skip ahead to, to my NYXL question. I like to put you on the spot on the show. Uh, Let's do it. You know, and stuff. And so, I, I and this is just your opinion here, but is NYXL intentionally not giving us their best looks and best plays in this stage four? You know, Monty will say sandbagging. I think that's a little harsh. I think every team comes up and tries to play and tries to win. But at certain costs, you have these, you know, you want to constantly be who, what other looks can we be giving these teams? Um, where can we be putting our focus in prep time? What percent uh, of full capacity NYXL do you think we are realistically seeing here in stage four? Um, I have to say I agree that I don't really like the term sandbagging, uh, but I, I do think that actually that is quite a real factor that, that NYXL are not necessarily holding themselves back um, and that they're intentionally playing a bit worse. What I think we might be seeing is them um, hiding things that have them playing better. And I'm talking like tangible things that if they demonstrated, other teams would be able to take note of. What they've done is very clever, and I cannot fault them for doing this. They've found a way to play that is consistently good enough across this stage, consistently good enough, that they're not at risk of getting bumped out of the stage playoffs, not at risk of getting bumped out of the season playoffs, and they can kind of get by hiding other potential strategies. I'm not going to speak to, like, 
what those strategies might be because that's a little bit too conjectural and it may actually be that there are none and nyxl are looking a little bit sloppy it's just that their sloppy is still that good but if if what i'm assuming is the case is the case then I really can't fault them for doing this. And I do have to agree with the notion that I don't think we're seeing the NYXL that we're going to see in season playoffs. I wouldn't even be surprised if we don't see that, um, if you will, um, you know, that that top tier, that uh, final form NYXL in the stage playoffs here, right? If you can keep it hidden even longer, then, then do so, you know, go for the bigger fish, go for the season playoffs. Yeah. Okay, last question for you. I, I, I appreciate... The answer. I, th- I think it was really level-headed, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's something that it's really easy to be on, like, NYXL just suck and don't know how to, you know, figure out Brigetta. There's that side, and then there's the, they're sandbagging, they're not even trying, uh, Pine's playing with his feet kind of thing. I don't... Yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if they've long since figured out how to play Brigetta and... They're just like holding on to that one right. so that all the other teams go and If you can win, play, like, and dive. Oh, yeah. be fine. You can win, play, and dive. Just keep playing dive because then you don't yeah. have to show your hand. I want to talk to you exactly. about. I want to talk to you about London, the original favorite Korean son of the Overwatch League, potentially. Yeah. Uh, and here, here's the thing: they, they've clinched the league playoffs, but this is where yes. where we get. Um, there's there's a lot of. I think valid opinions about the Overwatch League model. Um, and that is, well, uh, uh, this team is barely going to finish best case scenario at 500 for the stage. Worst case scenario, 400 for the stage. Uh, but they're already in the league playoffs. So uh, should a team that can barely finish 500 be going up against uh, teams who have shown maybe a little bit more consistency throughout the league. I don't. I don't even know the right way to put this question. But I guess the better yeah. question is: Is is London a team you think that can perform in the playoffs as the fourth best team in the league, despite being whatever seventh or eighth right now? Um, uh, certainly, the four zero today is a good sign. It is a four zero against Mayhem, but I mean. Mayhem aren't as bad as they once were. That doesn't mean what it used to mean. But at any rate, um, this is a really tricky area philosophically. I'm going to tell you a bit of a story, John. Um, I, uh, I'm i still quite into uh, League of Legends as well. I follow League of Legends very closely alongside Overwatch League. A couple of years ago, um, CLG, should be a familiar sounding team, made it into Worlds based purely off um, points that they had accrued in the first split of the year. As of the year, this is like the, the first split ends in like May or something, May, June, that kind of time. Worlds happens in like October, right? We're talking months. Like that, that's an even grander scale than when we last saw London playing well. And they qualified for Worlds. They hadn't looked good for like most of that second split. They got away with a lot of, lot of crap, right? But they barely scraped in and then absolutely the better worlds looks terrible they were frankly an embarrassment and i was furious partially because they went instead of a team that i was a fan of there was a personal side of that and i can totally see that for people who are fans of teams that are missing out because london are going to be going into playoffs but i want to talk about this in the unemotional sense i was also furious because it 
it, it felt like it disregarded the fact that unlike in regular sports, esports has patches, esports has meta changes, esports has, I mean, a roster swap can mean a whole lot more than it can in a sport, uh, regular sport. That's a little bit more of a dubious one because it can also mean a lot for regular sport. I feel like these sorts of systems are kind of irrespective of that part of esports that is unique to esports. The fact that, you know, if you watch, um, if you watch golf, it's not going to look that different in six months time, right? Which is why you can have a circuit that lasts even a number of years, right? Overwatch can look different three months down the line, you know, and that's exactly what has happened. And that's what always is going to happen. So I, I don't know that I like this part of the structure for gaining entry into season playoffs because of that fact. However, and this is the other thing that I do have to appreciate about this setup is it does create the possibility for a team that was doing really well and then more recently kind of fell from grace to still get in, even if only by the skin of their teeth, and have an absolute miracle run, a, a redemption story, and to pull back on a League of Legends example, um, the team that I do really like, Cloud9, funnily enough, who also in London Spitfire, no correlation, um, they had had a really rough split too, looked like they weren't going to, like they had the sliver of a chance. Then they reverse swept their way through, I think it was three matches in a row through a gauntlet to knock out a whole bunch of other teams and just barely make it into Worlds. And it was one of the most exciting things that has ever happened for that team, right? And that couldn't have been possible if they didn't have the opportunity to go into the gauntlet because of their split one results. So I do have to respect that what this has done is created the opportunity for London to have this absolute blowout redemption story and everyone be like, man, remember how London won that stage way back? Looks like we were sleeping on, they've really returned. Wow, what a great way to close it out. And if they, if that doesn't happen, if they end up dropping out, then, oh well, it's it sucks. But I'll be completely honest, if you're butt hurt because your team didn't get in, and London did, your team probably wouldn't have done much better than London anyway. They would have lost to the same people London are going to lose to here. They are going to be the teams that lose to, you know, the LA Valiants, the Gladiators, the NYXLs, right? I get the feeling. I genuinely do. But be realistic, you know? Yeah. It's not going to be London taking it, and it's not going to be whoever London knocked out mm -hmm. that would have taken it. And I think, I mean, it's it's tough, right? Because I guess the, the next logical conversation to have is, okay, what's the solution to this scenario we're in, right? So let's say, no, we don't want teams who can, you know, perform poorly at the end of the season going into a stage playoff or sorry, a season playoff in a season grand final, potentially where um, that meta is most close to the one where they did so poorly in, assume, yeah. assumedly, right? And so like one yeah. of the questions or one of the ideas I, I, I've kind of heard around is, okay, we'll make stage playoffs matter more, um, which I think is an interesting bout, right? You know, make them rather than a hundred, you know, hundred thousand dollars, which, you know, if you finish first in the league, you, it's like finishing first in three stages. Right. And it's still not, if you finish first in the league overall, sorry, I meant per stage earlier. If you finish first in the league overall, that's a million 
right? Um, if you win the grand finals. So it's, do you increase how much the stage playoffs cost? Do you not do patches and deal with the stale meta? Do you not do a grand final and then not get your climaxing crescendo <laughs> of a thing, which is just so anti team esports? I think you could definitely do a battle Royale tournament that way, but I don't think that you can do uh, uh, an overwatch tournament that way yeah and i think that's the reality that gets turned up very quickly whenever a discussion like that happens where it's like oh this kind of sucks what are some other ways we could do it what would be better everything's got its downsides right uh like you said like if you make the stay off uh, like if stage playoffs um individually matter more in terms of like how much they yield then it does take away an amount of gravity from the sort of ending playoffs. I, I, I'm almost of the opinion that I kind of don't like stage playoffs. Um, I, I, I do and I don't, right? Uh, I, I'm i a fan of discrete tournaments that run for a time, maybe have, you know, more, more other variables and health score can fall so that it doesn't become stale in terms of standings after like two round robins have already passed. But I, I, I am a fan of formats where there is one big kahuna at the end of it. And beyond that, it's just, you know, which matches are going to be the, the most important, the biggest to watch. But there are parts of me that really do like stage playoffs because it means that your immediate performance really does matter. And actually, that's been the case, right? We haven't just had the same three or four teams in stage playoffs the whole way through who are now going to make it into end playoffs. Stage playoffs, aside from NYXL, has been this revolving door. It's It's been, you know, this 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 rota of teams coming in and out and rising and falling and having very dramatic storylines. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I really enjoyed that part. Um, and I didn't expect that I would. So, so let's say we we take my approach. We, you know, we, we go, all right, no, we, we're going to, can stage playoffs we're already going to have the the one set of playoffs at the end after we've done like four whole round robins look by the end of the second round robin pretty much nothing is going to change and you almost end up getting punished for having a terrible start in the first round robin because it very quickly gets to a point where you actually can't break in anyway that was something that the first season of opc suffered from really badly and there was a kind of situation where by the time we hit playoffs there were teams that maybe felt less deserving than others which is exactly what we're currently getting with london spitfire let's say we take a different approach altogether and only your most recent results matter that really sucks Let's say you've got a team that won every single stage, except for the very last one, where the meta shifted quite significantly. They really struggled to adapt and keep up, but by the end of the season, by the or not the season, by the end of that stage, they finally got their head around it and they were looking good. You know, they were looking back in their previous form, but oh, no, they missed out on season playoffs because their immediate recent results weren't good enough. That would also suck. And that's why they do give some weight to previous results. The reality is there's just no right answer. And I think what we should be doing is try and appreciate the format as it is, much like I've done with the stage playoffs, right? They, they were a pleasant surprise when I went into it going, okay, I'm going to try and enjoy this. I'm going to buy into the hype. You know, I'm going to pretend that these that these matter a lot. And very quickly, I found that that became true for me. I'm very much invested now in a stage playoff. I genuinely enjoy it. And they really do feel like they matter to me. I think if people are more willing to look at the format and go, what is there to enjoy about this rather than what is wrong with this? They're going to enjoy Overwatch League a lot more because every format is going to have something wrong with it. Love it. I, I totally agree. It's okay to be constructive. I get it. 
I understand it, but don't let it get in the way of enjoying. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's esports. It's a video games. Exactly. Same thing for professional athletes. There's that level of enjoyment that you just got to go there. I do. I, I, I want to bounce an idea off of you that I had while you were talking. Is there a yeah. world where it would ever be good or interesting for the uh, grand finals to be uh, four or I guess it'd have to be like five best of fives played on each of the stage patches and then the current live patch. <laughs> that would be, that would be a hell of a thing. That'd be, um, a hell, I mean, at the end of the day, right. Like, you just wouldn't get enough practice for it. It would just be who's naturally yeah, better in these settings. Right. That's the real issue. And I mean, it'd be kind like, of fun though. Wanna, <laughs> and really I mean, confusing. Honest, we could, yeah. We could have a whole episode talking about just this, right? Because like, probably if you wanted will. to keep diamond, then will. very quickly you'd go, okay, well, why wouldn't it like it, it almost becomes this meta game of you don't prepare for all five metas, you prepare for the three you think you're best at and maybe try and dodge the ones your opponent meta, is meta. best at. Yeah. And, yeah, and very quickly it actually starts becoming two teams playing the odds rather than playing the game. And there's always gonna be a little bit of that, but it's in very small pockets, you know, it's like when you're picking maps. You know, you do play the odds a little bit. You prepare for maps going, um, we're good at this map and we want to try and dodge this map of the opponent. So we're going to prepare for this one and hope that they're not trying to counter prepare here. That does happen a little bit, but when it's small scale, it's it's interesting. It's a good talking point. When it's grand scale, suddenly they're not playing Overwatch anymore. They're playing, um, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's a it's a... It's a game between the analysts, right? It's like, it's how you do your, your research and how well you can prep across a whole bunch of different patches. I think it's interesting in that it would test um, an, uh, an ability of teams that doesn't really get tested. And that's uh, like a kind of breadth of play. We do get it tested in a very long way, but when you just condense it like that, five best of fives, um, it's this kind of like patch marathon almost. I think you could see something very interesting, an area of team, uh, team fatigue um, that we, we really never get to see. But we'll probably never get to see it right. ever because it's just not a good format, it's right? Not... Like it's just not one that's going to be feasible. Right. All right, dash out my dreams. Jeez. <laughs> Pixie, thanks, I'm sorry, man. Sorry, your ideas are just terrible. I know. It's true. <laughs> That's why I host and I don't guess. Uh, so um, it's been too long. Pixie, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. I was talking uh, we, we were worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about today. And well, look at us. <laughs> we did it. Uh, we'll have to have you on again soon. No worries. Thanks for having me. 